You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Now, we've just completed um, our membership class, and what I think really struck with our candidates for membership, but really the thing that kind of stuck with them was the call to be active rather than passive. Turn to your neighbor and say, be active rather than passive. And what I mean by that is that in the class, we learned there are six components to being an effective member of church. And the first is this. If you want to take this down, this is going to be like a quick overview of really what membership class will be about if you want to join us in the future. But the first is that to be a function, you have to be a functioning member. You have to be a functioning member, as in you have, to, you have to understand that you play a pretty important integral role here in the church. So no matter how uncommon or unique or weird your gifting may be, that there is a part to fill, okay, within the church body that has your name on it. It really does. And so whether you can, where you can belt out a song like, um, I can't think of, think of one singer. Or you can, you know, uh, play or teach or do whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a place for you. And so you need to be a functioning member. Secondly, you have to be a unifying member. A unifying member. Now, the people who did the membership class right now, you're all probably like, oh, man, this again. Right? But you have to be a unifying member, which means that you have to love even the most unlovable person. And turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, even you. You have to forgive for the sake of reconciliation, but that you have to also deliberately squash any word of gossip or negativity. So when, when there's negative, bad talk going around, you got to be the first one to say, uh-uh, this, this is not, you shall not pass, right? As Gandalf said, you shall not pass. So I don't want this to go through me. I don't want this to, to kind of disseminate throughout the audience, throughout the crowd, throughout the body. And so you got to squash. You have to be active in that sense. So you have to be a unifying member, a functioning, and then also a unifying member. Thirdly, you have to humble yourself by making sure that church is not about your preference or desires. It's not about your preference or desires. And this is really kind of the message of today's sermon in 1 Corinthians 4. Really, it covers all six points, but to ensure that church isn't about your preference is to enter the body as a servant, right? Is that when you become a committed member of this church, that you are going not as the head. You're not going as the Lord, right, or the master. You are entering as a servant. That means it's not about your individual likes or dislikes because those things will not shape the ministry, but rather, you know what shapes the ministry? The Word of God. Christ shapes the ministry, does he not? Right? So therefore, it's us submitting to the head. Submitting. So therefore, including myself, we are all servants of God. And so sometimes all we need to do to understand this point is to sometimes just get out of the way. Right? Sometimes it means for us to get out of the way. Fourthly, we have to actively pray for our church leadership. We have to actively pray for our church leadership. That means that the way the enemy typically targets the church is at the head. Right? Is that the head? Now, growing up, have you ever, um, I remember I played in the creek growing up, and there would be a lot of kind of little, little water snakes, right? Gross, I know. And I was kind of morbid with my friends at the time because we're all about just torturing animals. Please forgive me for this, right? 
But then if you see little animals and stuff like that, namely snakes, and I think most of you guys hate snakes, so you'd be okay with it, right? But if you just chop off the tail, it'll still kind of wiggle away, right? What do you got to do? You got to chop off the head, and then it still wiggles, right? But it'll die soon enough. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy is constantly trying to attack the head, the head, the leadership, right? And so that means that the church leaders, need, they need prayers, they need a lot of prayer from you guys in terms of a living a life above reproach, which means that we need to make sure that there's nothing going on in our lives that can be used against us, that can be used against the church, that can be used to tarnish God's name or the reputation of this ministry or anything like that. This also means that we need to pray for the leaders, including our life group leaders, right? Our life group leaders and, and our future deacons and our future elders and all this stuff because in a way that we need to pray that we all possess the same sound of biblical doctrine. Because what happens often is that Satan will try to distort the word of God from the top down. Right? So every single week, he'll try to make me think that it's all about just your happiness. Every week. Because I'm just constantly surrounded by that. It's always about what is good for the people. They need to hear positive things. And so as I'm formulating the sermon and everything, I'm constantly thinking, how can I make them laugh a little? How can I make them think that life is going to be okay? How can I help them think that, you know what, it's, it's, it's all going to pan out at the end of the day when in reality there is no promise from God in that. There's no guarantee. And so I, I, there's, there is a constant temptation on my part to distort the message of God to appease man. You get what I'm saying? And so it's so important that as you pray for me, as you pray for your life group leaders, as you pray for the, the staff of the leadership of this church, that we're always focused and grounded on sound biblical doctrine. Amen? You get that? That the word of God is the word of God. Right? Um, but also, we need prayers regarding our physical and emotional strength too. You know, members, you guys aren't just entering into a church. You're entering into a family, into a family. And there are brothers and sisters in this family, and there are people like me, for instance, who has been called the under-shepherd, right, because Jesus is the shepherd, but he's called me into his pastoral role. And so I need prayer, but guess what? So does my wife, and so do my two children, and so does Pastor James and, and, and Haynes Hummel and, and, and Joe and Jesse. They need staff. Uh, they, they need prayer. Their families need prayer. We need prayer. Amen? Fifthly, to be a member, you have to pursue the call to lead your own family into what it means to be a healthy member. Okay? That you have to also lead your family into what it means to be a healthy member. So just because service ends at approximately 3.15 or so, it doesn't mean that you get to shut your spiritual life down. No, it means that every single day as you pray and gather with your church family, with your family members, maybe it's your children or your spouse, maybe it's your mom and dad or your siblings or whomever, maybe it's even by yourself, take time to pray for the church. Take time to pray for the church. Pray for spiritual protection. Pray against moral failure. Pray for the powerful teaching of God's word. Pray for all the singles that we have here. Okay? And pray for all the families and children and couples that we have here as well. Pray that this ministry will be filled with constant encouragement rather than division and discouragement. And not only that, as you gather with your family to teach them what it means to be a healthy church member, gather together to worship together too. You get that? Don't just pray, but worship together. Sing a couple songs together. It was awesome. I mean, I went to Sweet Frog uh, yesterday, and uh, what, what happened was, you know, they play kind of Christian music, but typically they, they just play kind of musical, like uh, the, the um, just the, the instrumental, instrumental like Christian songs, right? 
And so, but yesterday, they actually, they're actually singing like Christian uh, children's songs, like B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me, right? These are, these are songs that we've been teaching Ada and, and my son Junior. And so I had Junior strapped to me, and we were just like waiting in line, just doing this, singing the song and all this stuff. And there's other families behind us. They're literally just staring at us. You know, they don't know. They're probably thinking, ah, oh, my ears. I don't want to hear this blasphemous stuff. I'm like, you are a blasphemer. No. But in reality, <laughs> these are great things, and these are things that we want to encourage. And so we want to do worship together as a family too, right? You want to encourage them to... Not just pray, but to worship and sing songs with one another. And whether, uh, whether they are um, your parents or your siblings, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, for those of you who are parents, and you want, this is what my parents did to me. Growing up, they forced me to play guitar. My mom did in particular. Because she, she said, God told me for you to become a, a worship leader. I'm like, okay, God didn't say anything to me. Right? But she anyways pushed that on me. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful that she did that. So um, when I grew up, I remember uh, middle school, high school, my parents would randomly say, hey, David, bring your guitar. I'm like, ah, oh, this again. They, they asked me, come down. They're like, okay, here are some hymns. That I've never heard. First of all, it's all in Korean too, right? And they're like, here are the chords. I'm like, okay, playing the stuff. And they start singing, doing this and doing this. And I'm just like, I don't know what any of this means. But I'm praising with them. And I'm, honestly, they were just so lifted too, at that time. And so it's just a great thing to be able to worship together with your family members, but more than just simply praying for the families of the leaders and, uh, or I'm sorry, of praying with your family or worshiping is that you got to teach your family members, okay, whether you're children, your mom, your dad, your siblings, to just love Jesus, to love Jesus. Because here's the thing, Christ, you see, he died for the church, right? And he didn't merely just uh, he didn't merely like the church. He didn't merely serve the church. He was in love with the church. He was in love with the church. And so really our job is to, is to encourage our children and our family members and one another. It's like, do you love the church? Do you love the, I'm not talking about the four walls. I'm talking about you. Do you love the people next to you? You know? And so that's, that's, that's the fifth point. And finally, as a member, we're called to treasure this membership as a gift you know, it's not about just being a proud member of Shining Star Community Church. This understanding goes beyond that because this appreciation comes from the acknowledgement that you and I, we have received the free gift of salvation through Jesus. Like, that should make you pretty darn ecstatic right now. That you have received the free gift of salvation, and as a result, we have become part of the body of Christ, and so we get to enter into a union with a local church body, Shining Star here, and we get to journey together. Do you get that? This free gift that God has given you, he's saying, you know what, I'm going to allow you to be a part of this local body that's going to represent me, right? And you get to journey together into a deeper and fuller knowledge of who Christ is and what he wants from us. So, so you see, to be a church member really takes on a different connotation than really memberships that we are accustomed to, like gym membership or country club memberships, right? Where you pay your fee, you pay your dues, and then you get these services offered to you, right? Then you get this discount, you get to do this, or they get to serve you that way. And that's not to say that you guys don't have a voice here. You, so, you most certainly do, but the way in which you use that voice has to be done in marriage with the appropriate circumstance and with a deep level of spiritual maturity, okay? With a deep level of spiritual maturity. So, like, here's the thing. If you guys, if anyone here has never really given in terms of uh, offering or tithing, and you're maybe even really stingy with your giving, 
then you won't really be heard when it comes to the allocation of church funds. You get what I'm saying? Right? If you're never here during church service, then your voice won't really be taken into all that much consideration when we discuss the future structure of Sunday services and whatnot. And if you don't intentionally pursue after people with love and care, when they, especially when they need it the most, then you can't really place any fault on the care ministry of our church. And so it's important that you, here's the idea of membership, that you grow with us by struggling with us, right? That as you struggle with us, then you'll be blessed with us, and so we can truly understand what it means to be the body. You see, when I get hurt on my right arm, know this, it affects every aspect of my body, right? It's not like, I'm perfect here, and my right arm is like paralyzed. No, it affects every part, every component of who I am. And in that same way, for us to say, you know what, I'll be away from this, I'm going to kind of distance myself from this, that's a contradiction. Then you are not part of the body. And so my encouragement, challenge to you is this. If you have taken membership class, which I think a majority of you have, then commit on a deeper level. Serve on a deeper level. And love on a deeper level. Amen? Now, I just gave you kind of a crash course on a membership class. But firstly, the idea was simply that you, it's a general idea what it means to be a member of this church. But the reason I brought this up is because of what the ladies here, Youngju, Michelle, and Nancy, uh, what the Laser Shine Star here did during, at their, uh, when they went to Peru. Because them going, it serves as, a, as an example, at least one aspect of it, of what we're called to do. And that's to embrace servanthood. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, embrace servanthood. All right, so can you guys give me 15 minutes? Plus more. Because now I'm going to go into the sermon. All right? Amen? You guys need a stretch? Whatever. Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church at Corinth, and he pretty much just calls them out. Okay, he calls them out. He says, you are prideful. You have the self-inflated ego. Now, here's the thing. This will happen. Maybe it's happened to you before where you begin to get a little comfortable, a little bit complacent in the way that maybe you serve today or the way that you have served before. And so you begin to think, you know, church is kind of that country club mentality where now you're owed something instead. And maybe right now because of all the work that you've done, all the sacrifices you made and all the people that you brought here or whatever, that you feel like you're owed a little bit of respect now right? That people should kind of, you know, submit before your authority. And so maybe right now, you even think that you deserve a plaque of recognition of sorts for all the years of hard work and service. Now, Apostle Paul was challenging the people of the Corinthian church to pursue after one thing. He's saying, he's saying this whole thing about self-exaltation, about you trying to raise yourself, he says, throw that away. It's all about the exaltation of Christ. Let it always be about the exaltation of Christ. It is Christ's First, me, second, right? It's about Christ as greater, me as lesser. So he's saying, you know what? People, you got it wrong. It's not about raising you up. It's about raising Christ up. And without going too much in depth of the entire background, I want to address a few points I think will help us understand what servanthood is, why we're called to it, and how Christ is glorified from it. And so I got three points. My first one is this, and it comes from verses 6 through 13. Paul says, if you are spiritually mature, then you have to follow the word of God, and you got to do it with humility. Follow the word of God and do it with humility. Turn to your neighbor and say, be humble. 
Verse 6, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers. They may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Meaning this, the reason why we might be so arrogant sometimes. And by the way, this is not a blast on just you guys. This is me too, okay? But the reason why we might be so arrogant and entitled and why we approach church membership or church itself with this kind of consumer mentality is simply because we don't have a correct theological understanding of God's word. Let me say this. A person who reads God's word faithfully is far different from someone who does not. It's just, it's just as simple as that. Two are completely separate people, and these two people will approach life in completely separate ways. Why? Because Paul's point is this. He says, you know what Scripture does for the believer? You know what Scripture does to the person? It's, it was meant to form this boundary for the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you behave, the way that you live, and the way that you love. The Bible makes it pretty clear that all we have to do is follow the Word of God and trust it. But not only that, he says in verse 7, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Paul says to them, as he says to us, he goes, Why do you think, and what gives you the goal is to say that you can look down on other people. Why do you think that you're so deserving of better things, of greater things? What makes you think that you are in any way better than other people? Don't you realize that this thing that you're gloating about, this thing that you're kind of lifting yourself up about, is about something that you have received? Don't you realize that all this goodness and all this amazing whatever gifts and blessings that you have of yourself are things that was given to you. It was given to you. He's saying if you feel superior in any way, know that what you have, the blessings, God's favor, the gift of salvation are all things that God has given you. Given you. So in what world makes you think you can brag about having these things? You know, that's, this reminds me of um, an interview by Donald Trump. This is before his presidency, I think. And he said, he was talking about how he built his own empire and his own wealth and how he became a billionaire. And he says, you know what? No one helped me. I didn't get help. I didn't even get any help from my own father. I only, get this, I only got a million dollar loan from him to start my business. You remember that? I only got a million dollar loan. Only a million dollars. And I'm sure if you've seen that interview, as I have, I kind of initially scoffed. I was like, are you kidding me? A million, that's little money, a million dollar loan. But if we think of it that way, don't you see the hypocrisy of our own hearts? We say, a million dollar loan, please. But when it comes to God who gives you everything, giving you your next breath, giving you your mind, giving you an able body, giving you the birthplace of America, giving you your many talents and, and, and diligence and perseverance and resolve, and yet we so easily, like Trump, say, no one helped me. No one helped me. I'm, I'm better than us because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. It was me. I'm the one who worked hard and, and did everything my way. And so Paul, he's calling them out and saying, are you kidding me? Really? It's all you. It was all just about you. The thing you're bragging about is the very thing that was given to you, he says. No, you, you didn't deserve it. There was no way did you earn it. It was given to you. 
It's not yours to boast about. So folks, why servanthood? Because that's who we are. We're not masters in this life. We're not. We're not the giver of gifts. We're not the creator of life. We're servants. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're called to serve. Now, from verses 9 through 13, Paul talks about something pretty interesting. He talks about why, what you should expect from a life of servanthood. Now, I'm not going to read all the verses here, but essentially Paul, he compares the Corinthians to the apostles. He says, look how the apostles were public spectacles. Their lives would result in death. He said, in the eyes of the world, the apostles were considered fools. Fools. Can you imagine that? They were considered weak and honorless. And certainly, there's nothing attractive about the life of an apostle because they're often hungry. They're often thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless, and it was hard, hard work. And so who would ever want to sign up to become an apostle? And yet the apostles knew how to respond in life. They knew how to respond to persecution because they knew that they were blessed. So they persevered. They kept going. They knew they were blessed. So they endured. They continued to encourage even when people were discouraging them, even when people were hating on them. And despite all the love and faithfulness they extended to other people, Apostle Paul says the world called them trash. Despite their constant sacrifice and giving and serving the people and even the people of the church, they were considered rubbish and scum. You see, there's nothing glamorous about this call to servanthood as Apostle Paul describes. But the fact is, to be a follower of Christ is to relinquish all desires of prestige and respect and honor. And instead, he says, pick up the cross. Pick up the cross. Lower yourself among one another. Take on the hate from the world and diligently and faithfully serve Christ as king and serve one another as more than you. That's servanthood. Honestly, if we keep teaching that, I, I'd say it would be a good weeding out of many, many people who would realize, you know what, I, I, I actually don't want to be a Christian then. These Corinthians, they totally lost sight of what being a follower of Christ meant. They thought what the disciples thought during Jesus' earthly ministry, that they would somehow get a seat of honor. Like at that time, they thought they could get a seat next to Jesus. That if they hung around enough, they'd finally get their dues and, and ri be richly rewarded. But no, see, that was never Jesus' goal for his followers in this lifetime. Yes, in the next, but not this time. So what does Paul encourage us to do? And this is my second point. If you want to be spiritually mature, we must be willing to mimic those who walk closely with Christ. If you want to be spiritually mature, then you need to mimic Imitate, follow after those who walk closely with Christ. Sometimes the best way to learn is to see how it's done, right? I mean, I know personally that's how I learn. And if a person who talks a lot and a lot but doesn't walk the walk, then my encouragement to you is this, run. Don't follow that person. From verses 14, 21, Paul says that we need to grow by following godly examples. And in verse 15, he says, there are countless guides, or other translation says countless tutors. Now, these countless tutors or guides, it can be just about anyone. This, this, could, be, this could be a pastor of a podcast that you listen to on, on a weekly basis. This could be the great godly men and women who have written wonderful books and helping you understand more of God. 
But he says, they are not your spiritual father, though. And he's not referring to our heavenly father. Paul was referring to himself as a father to the Corinthians because many of them had personally come to faith in Jesus Christ through the leading of Apostle Paul. You see? So there was a familial type of closeness and relationship that he had with the people. So what does that mean for us? It means that there needs to be someone in your life, people, who can help you in your spiritual walk. So no, having a sea of podcast pastors and speakers will not do. They can't be your spiritual father or your spiritual mother. You need to have in this church body somehow or somewhere here where you can meet with them a godly, older godly sister or brother in Christ. Okay? Someone who will, who will be willing to journey with you. But here's the kicker. You too must be that to someone who's spiritually weaker than you. You have to be that someone to someone who's weaker than you. Now here's a caveat to all this. Don't start assuming that everyone wants you to be their spiritual father or mother. Okay? I remember about six, seven years ago, I met with a professor, a fairly young guy, absolutely smart, maybe even brilliant. But spiritually, from what I could gather, just, eh, right? And so he, um, <clears throat> he took me out for some coffee, and we were hanging out, and we were drinking some overpriced coffee at Starbucks. That's not to say it's bad coffee. Starbucks is great coffee. I just think it's overpriced. Anyways, so he says this, point blank, as I'm just sipping on my uh, vanilla latte. He says, hey, David, let me be your mentor. And he says, I think it would be good for you to follow me and learn from me. Now, I don't think he was saying it pridefully. I don't think he was like, oh, look at the gloriousness of who I am. Follow me, right? I don't think that's what he was saying. Now, while I agreed that I needed a spiritual father of sorts or mentor, I knew that it wasn't going to be him. So I politely and awkwardly <laughs> declined and said, oh, yeah, mm. let me pray about that. And I did. I, didn't, I don't just say that out of jest. I actually prayed, and again, I, I believe the Lord confirmed he just wasn't the right person. What's my point? My point is this, you need to grow in Christ so well that when people see you, they're drawn to you. And they say, hey, you, be my mentor. Does it make sense? It's not about you walking around saying, I will be your mentor, and I'll be yours, and I will be all yours. You know, I actually was blessed. I had such a man, aside from my own father, who was my spiritual, spiritual leader, spiritual father as well, but I had, a, I had a man in my life, and our relationship was short-lived because he was quickly called to serve. Um, he, he's a Korean-American and everything, but he was quickly served to, called to serve at church in Korea. So he left pretty abruptly. But I remember after meeting with him a handful of times, each time I was just so hungry to learn from him. There was just something so powerful and something so refreshing, you know, to be in his presence. And uh, I remember our first meet, our very first meeting, uh, we, were, we met at, at Chipotle up in Chevy Chase, Maryland, because he was in that area. And after just having a conversation with him, I said, can you disciple me? And he goes, okay. Yeah, I would love to. And so we, 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 we were in close touch. He would, he would call me. Uh, I met with him a handful of, handful of times, more than that, more until he had to go away and everything. So here's the thing. My encouragement for you all is to grow first in your walk with Christ. Grow powerfully 
wonderfully, intimately in your walk with Christ. And I believe that there will be people who will see that and they'll be drawn to your spirit. Amen? Does that make sense? My last point is taken from verse 16. Spiritual maturity aims to imitate Christ. Now, Paul uses the word urge, but it can also be translated to exhort. And perhaps you've heard me use this word several times before, and that word exhort or exhortation, it sounds pretty severe, doesn't it? Like a holy finger wagging at you saying, you better spiritually shape up. But no, that's not what it means. It means to call one to their side. To call one to your side. One side meaning to exhort someone is to put your arm actually around that person. To put your arm around that person and to walk along with them. And maybe they're kind of falling off the path. But as you walk alongside with them, with your arms around them, you say you know, things like, would you consider this? Or let's talk about this. Or maybe you shouldn't have done that. Or maybe that wasn't a good idea. So we're called to exhort one another. And that's why I think life groups are a wonderful place to demonstrate this biblical concept. You exhort one another constantly because you are actually living life together constantly. You're all walking alongside each other. But then Paul says, be imitators of me. Now this sounds kind of prideful, right? He says, be like me. Imitate me. But we have to understand that Paul's not aiming for the praises of man. He does not care if people say, Paul, Paul, Paul. Or they don't, he doesn't care if people throw and lavish gifts and blessings upon him. No, you see, he doesn't care if he gets a nod of approval from those around him. Instead, his call to the people to imitate him isn't to imitate his high esteem or his high theological background. And simply is this. He's saying, imitate me as in imitate my radical life. Does that make sense? Imitate my radical life. Imitate the fact that I am transformed. Imitate the fact that I don't care for the world. Imitate the fact that I love Christ. Imitate that I need Christ. Imitate that I worship Christ. Imitate my desperate need for Christ. He says, imitate that. It's not about how well-spoken I am or how well-dressed I am. He goes, That's, none of that matters. But the thing that you should imitate is my longing for Jesus. To be a servant means to give up the desire for glory, for praises, high status, acceptance from others. Instead, it is to be a radical servant. It's to be lonely, to, to accept loneliness. And that's what Apostle Paul models. Because actually in his lifetime, as great as he is, he is regarded as a fool by the world. Yes, a fool for Christ. He realized to be a servant means to return abuse and slander and persecution with words of love, with words of blessing and forgiveness. And you see, we can and we should imitate Paul because Paul's entire life from his point of conversion was all about imitating Christ. How amazing that to imitate Paul is to imitate Christ because in Paul, even though he was not perfect by any measure, there was still such an amazing Christ-likeness that was worthy of imitation. And so I hope you all see that when we actually take to heart the truest meaning of servanthood, we will ultimately reflect the nature of Christ and what he's done for us. And in that way, when someone comes through these doors into our little shining star service, 
Yes, they'll see a body of people here, but the, what they want, what they, but what they won't see is a body that is severed from the head. Because they'll see Christ in all that we do, and in all that we are. I hope and pray that as we continue on in our spiritual walk with Christ, that if anyone were to ever come to you and say, "Hey, how do I live for Jesus?" All you need to say is, "Just watch. Just watch." You get that? Let's pray. And so as our heads are bowed down, as we are in preparing our minds and our hearts to just kind of meditate on what we've heard and to reflect and to really pray over all that um, the Lord has been revealing to us from this message. Uh, my encouragement to you also, or challenge really, is that you would pray about where you can serve, okay, and how you can serve. And so this week, until you see the sign-up sheet for next week, um, is a time for you to, it's not about if you, it's not about why you should serve, but why, why won't you serve? It, it, Serving is, it shouldn't be an option for us as Christians. It should be a natural outflow, right, of your love for Christ. And again, this is not a, a talk of guilt or, or judgment by any means. And we all have different giftings in different places. And so I just want you guys to really, throughout this week, just pray. And say, God, like, how can I serve you? How can I serve Where are my giftings? What can I do? What are the talents that you have given me? I was either born with or just given to me upon my conversion, but whatever it is, God, how can I serve you? And so just be prayerful that, about that. And regardless of where you go, however way you serve, it's not even about that. It's about, it's about are you available at least? Have you made yourself spiritually available to do that? You know? And I think that's important. Just, I think it's kind of like what Michelle was saying before. It wasn't about making that big impact, but simply about your little obedience, Right? It's about you willing to be faithful in the little things right now. And God, he's calling you. Trust, trust me. Trust the word of God. He's not, he's not saying that this is optional. He's saying, if you're, if you're part of this body, then be a part of the body. Integrate yourself and lift up your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with you, who I want to serve with you, who want to be blessed with you. But know this, nothing about the Christian walk is about a life of loftiness and, and high repute and all this. It's about just a servant-heartedness. Are you willing to take that challenge? Are you willing to pick up the cross in that? It is not easy, but Christ is with us. It is difficult, but he is our strength. It may, seem t it may even sometimes feel lonely, but God is with us. So let's take this moment and pray, and we'll go into our last song.